Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Infinite Boost podcast. This is episode four zero, and we are bringing in the 40s with a bang. No pun, pun intended, actually, because on this episode, I have a demo chaser, a lover of the boom boom. His name is Retzelum, Frank Retz. He'll go into that. Uh, he's a super nice guy. Uh, really just pleasant, excellent member of the community, even though all he wants to do is blow up your car and make you look silly by flicking the ball over your face. Uh, a very good Rocket League player, a hardworking Rocket League player, just all around nice guy. I really enjoyed chatting with him. I've enjoyed playing with him. Uh, and he's just been very supportive, so I, I greatly appreciate him. He's also a YouTuber. Uh, so go check out his YouTube channel. He'll tell you about that. But before we get into the show, I just want to say that I've been doing a lot of streaming on Twitch uh, multiple times per week. We've been getting more into Roulette League. We've been doing Singles Night, which is 1v1 stuff. I've been doing some replay analysis. I've been working on my own game. We're doing all kinds of cool things on the stream. Would love for you to stop by. We're also I'm also going to be recording all episodes of Infinite Boost in the future live on my Twitch channel. I'm teaching my wife how to play Rocket League on my Twitch channel. We're just doing all kinds of fun stuff. So if you ever wanted to interact with me more in a direct manner, uh, I would certainly recommend checking that out. We've been having a lot of fun and there's starting to be a good number of folks that are regulars there and it's just been enjoyable. Uh, so come on, stop by, ask some questions, hang out, have a laugh uh, and just enjoy some more Rocket League. That's all of my plugs. That's twitch.tv slash I wanted just Tom just like everything else out there that has to do with me thank you again for all the support I'm excited to have the podcast back it's been fun so far the stream has been fun making content has been fun I, I hope that you are are all excited that I'm back but enough about talking about being back let's just get back into the show here we go episode number four zero with Rats. All right, well, today is an interesting episode because uh, we have the first demo enthusiast on the show. Uh, <laughs> he has been sharing lots of clips of demos. And and to be fair, you've been sharing a lot of 1v1 clips as well. Recently, I've been seeing you putting in some work on that. Uh, but before I go on and on and on, uh, Retzalem, Frank, thank you so much for joining me on the show. How exactly do you pronounce the name? I should have asked that before we got started, but I was just I, so antsy to get going. <laughs> um, I usually just drop the O sound and just say Retzelum. Uh, that's about it. Retzelum. All right. And then, but you also go by Frank, but do you like, so what, 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 where do you land on all of that? Um, whatever the person wants to do, they, it's usually recently it's been a lot of rets. Um, yeah, but Frank rets, I'll usually respond to anything. I changed my name on steam so much that a lot of times, like some people know me just as Florida man. Cause I use Florida man as my, uh, rocket name for a long time. That, that is a good one. Florida man. And I used to switch it out with different, uh, mug shots from the different Florida men of the world. If you don't know the Florida man meme, you need to look that up because it, it is a classic. It's a good one. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking some time to join me on the show. I think uh, that, well, I'm, I'm 
pretty confident that we connected with each other through Swayze, uh, another former guest of the show, uh, also a content creator himself. I think we've both done his show, uh, Rocket League Decision Making, um, and I, I've seen you guys interact, and then I think he invited me to play once, and you were playing with him, so we, we played a little bit then. So we have uh, spent a little time together, and that's kind of how we got connected, but You've been putting out uh, some YouTube videos for a little while, and uh, I thought it would be just uh, about time to have you on the show. We talked about it before the hiatus, and now post-hiatus, here you are. So tell me a little bit about your Rocket League history. All right. So originally, I thought this was a silly game. Um, I got it on PlayStation when it was free on PlayStation Plus. Um, my friends were playing it and I thought this was silly. It's it's cars and soccer and it doesn't seem very fun. I don't know. We're all just kind of scrambling around. There's no order. And I thought it was just going to be one of those games. I'll just play like a party game, like get drunk, play it a little bit. And then I went to my friend's house and he was playing it with his friend split screen. But they were he was um, I think at that time, I think it was gold. Uh, it was, I think it went bronze, silver, gold, platinum. And that was it. Um, he was gold rank at that time, and they were playing casual. And he was calling out, like, I'm passing it to the center. And, if, of course, to our standards now, very low. But it was kind of cool. I was like, oh, that's a whole new dynamic. And he was like, oh, yeah, you just see the pros play. And he showed me a 1v1 between, I think it was Marky Gibbs or Kronovi or Marky Duda and Kronovi. It was one of those times back in the day. One of those old chill matches. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then I started actually playing the game and uh, went through about maybe 2,000 or 1,000 hours of drunk, just casual playing. And then last <laughs> year, I actually started playing it like, oh, maybe I want to get better at this game. And then along with the YouTube thing, I realized nobody wants to watch uh, Low Diamond play Rocket League. And I also they, I wanted to do a different twist, a twist to it. So I started going into Rocket League coaching and actually trying to get better. And then now, like you mentioned, I'm more into the demo side of it. I'm not even playing ranked for that grind to GC. I'm playing ranked to see if I can add more demos into my play style, <laughs> which my play style kind of goes whatever fad I'm into. Can go from yeah. trying to be in the air to learning flicks and 1v1s and to trying to learn demos and I'm hoping that at the end of this, I'll have a very uh, diverse play style at the end. You would think so. If you work on everything, eventually it'll all kind of mash together. Right. So uh, what what rank are you like? What are your ranks right now in, in the various playlists? Um, right now I'm sitting at champ two and threes and twos. I used to be champ three and threes but i haven't really been playing it that much anymore um i'm diamond two in ones that's another one i fell from i used i made it up the champ one but then it's just a little bit of ranked anxiety i find it harder to play ones especially after i get a rank because i'm worried that i'm gonna get into a losing streak um and then rumble would be my other rank that i actually play a lot which i'm champ three in rumble and that's just my solo queue just have fun game mode have you have you gotten to GC in Rumble? I can't remember if you had or not. I had not. I got 
close. I've been uh, Champ 3, Div 4, and Rumble a few times, but I've never pushed through to the actual one all the way to GC. Got it. So how many hours total do you have then um, in the game? Probably close to like you, 3,000 plus hours on just Steam on my main account alone is 2,300 and then probably about six, 700 on PlayStation. Okay. And so over 3000 probably. But of course, as you said, some of those hours are very, very casual hours. Yeah. Just playing the game, going to ranked half drunk play until we stop playing. <laughs> Not care about if we end up at gold at the end of the day or at platinum at the end of the day. It was just playing, playing to have fun. So then, I think um, let's let's talk about this a little bit because I like on your YouTube you have posted a lot of um, coaching videos or coaching sessions that you've had with a, a decent number of different people. So, what what motivated you to get a coach, uh, and like what were your goals with those? And I maybe not breaking down like how each coach was separately, but like, what were your goals of doing that? And what kind of benefits have you seen on the other side of working with various people on your game in, in that way? So it's probably been about a year now since um, the first time I had a coach, which was Rani. Um, at that time, uh, Walmart, where I worked normally, was home, holding a uh, tournament to get into E3. And the, there was a Rocket League tournament and a uh, Fortnite tournament. And I signed up for the Rocket League one. And it was 1v1, which I played here and there. I think I was platinum at the time, but I never actually like tried to play and try to get better at it. Um, so I was like, oh, hey, I'll get a coach. It'll be kind of cool. So um, ended up not having the coaching session before the tournament. and ended up having it afterwards, which <laughs> doesn't matter. Um, got close to actually winning my bracket in that match, but there was a champ three in ones in my bracket. And it, he wrongful stomped a lot of people <laughs> yeah i would guess so um i felt bad because i ended up uh beating a couple people pretty bad because um some they were all just ra random people so some were silver some were plat some admitted that they never played ones um and it was just like a really cool little community tournament type of thing the winner got to go to e3 which would and play on stage for like a little tournament which would have been really cool um so Moving on. And that uh, was held by Walmart? Yeah. That's interesting. But cool that they did that. Yeah, I thought I thought that was really cool for the people. And then they did another one with YouTube and rap challenges. And they, they did a couple. They're trying to get more modern and, and uh, all that. Mm -hmm. um, so then moving on, I got Randy to be my coach. And as a first coach, it was really cool. He's, he was really low like he was on the he was on the podcast before he's very yeah. chill he's very friendly he's very motivational he has like this childlike look as into rocket league and originally the goal was just to kind of see what it was about ones like what is it that i'm struggling in and what is it i need to like move out forward with which mm -hmm. his biggest thing was ball carrying i couldn't carry the ball for for anything uh and it made my dribbles really slow and it made it so my attacks were very bad 
So he said, start working on ball carrying, work on no boost ball carrying, boosting with ball carrying, just work on that. And through that, I discovered the fun of free play, which I never found free play fun. I just hit the ball around and like, just try to make good contact. I actually started having fun, like working on carrying the ball, then learning how long I can carry the ball and then carrying the ball and moving around, uh, going around the little boost notes. And now I'm at the point where I'm trying to carry the ball around and while drifting and keeping momentum and boosting while getting to like Randy's level three years ago, where now he's able to like do one eighties with the ball and keep full momentum. It's crazy. Um, so that was my main thing. And I think it really pushed me into, that's what made me want to like actually do better. And through ones learning like shadow defense and the accountability of the one V one arena. That's when I, when I was working on that the most is when I was C3 and threes and uh, C2 and just got C2 for the first time in twos. It's a lot of small mechanics I learned and I discovered it was fun to train those things. So, so you're, oh, go ahead. you're saying it's fun to practice. I discovered for me, it was fun to practice. There's not every mechanics fun to practice. Like uh, my friend Tylawa, um, he's practicing ceiling shots and flip resets and he's gotten better at those than me. I don't find them as fun to practice. I started practicing them now more because just out of pride, I can't let him get better than me. He was platinum <laughs> a few months ago. I can't let platinum's flip reset on me. Uh, but it, it was just um, it was just fun, like carrying, picking up the ball real quick, just driving around, doing circles. It was something I can do while having a YouTube video in the background. And it was just it was very tranquil, and I could see myself actually getting better as I went and. The same. That's kind of what I never knew about that game. I never did that in free play. Like went into there with a goal. Like my goal is to be able to carry the ball, so that way in my next session with Randy, I could carry the ball. And I, he, oh, well, unless he was speaking up to it, I thought I had good improvement, and he even mentioned, "Hey, there's improvement there." And that type of satisfaction you can't get from like a achievement or from the rank progression. You get that from yourself, I think. Yeah. So what was it about? And I, I wholeheartedly agree that you get that kind of benefit from that internal. It, it's taking away the external of like a rank or somebody complimenting you or winning a game. And it takes it internally, which is more like I had a goal to be able to do X and now I can. Uh, and that's, you know, that really changes things up but what what was it for you that all of a sudden made the practice uh enjoyable what how did how did you change how you looked at it or i think um once i had a goal and i started practicing and i was practicing to a goal which was like i said very simple just be able to carry the ball indefinitely pretty much was the the main goal not even try to carry it fast, try to carry it while moving. It was just, can you carry it and control it for an indefinite amount of time? And once I started seeing that progression, like I said, the self-satisfaction of seeing, oh, I can carry it longer. And then in-game, finding out that back then in threes, uh, a few seasons ago, not a lot of people were dribbling or able to do quick cuts. And just being able to identify that, oh, I could, instead of banging this down the field, I could carry it for a second and then try to flick it. You get so much more 
in-game opportunity from just that control and like little satisfactions of like, okay, so the training led to this. So the training is good. So you start getting that, like, I don't know. It's kind of like working out of the gym. You start, you start working out of the gym and then you start seeing some like muscle toneness and you start seeing that strength go up and you're like, yeah, I'm going to keep going on this. This is fun. Mm -hmm. No, that's, that's awesome. So how, how does that carry over to, games then i think this is the most interesting or like intriguing part of it for me because i would be of the opinion that most of what you get out of uh or how you get better how you really become more effective is by training and practicing and working on things Uh, but of course the end goal is to be better at the game so how would you look at like each individual, like when you started training, when you started working on things, did the way that you look at actually playing the five minute games change at all? Um, yes. A lot of times, uh, once I had the coaching session with Randy and then the coaching session with Verge, um, he went really into like rotations and decision making on that part. And I still look back, even though that, that video is also about a year old now, I still look back on it because just decision making tree of can you make a first touch can you make it pass? can you make a pass can you make a shot and like this is your priority if you can do a first touch you want to do that because no matter what your first touch you can control it from that point you've you're continuing your control if you can only have if you can't make a first touch you can make a pass can you pass it to somebody is somebody there okay you can't make a pass and you can you shoot it and then like at the end of the day is a 50 50 is your final like out of that decision tree Mm-hmm. And looking at the decision tree and from my coaching sessions going into the games, uh, I started seeing like dribbling. I would be able to turn the ball in, on the ground, control a lot better than everyone else in my rank. And so I started going and using that more into my games and my play style. So I'd go for more flicks or more turns or less in the air moves. Going huh. into threes. Now I am kind of behind in the, the aerial game, but once the ball hits the ground, a lot of them, a lot of the players, they don't know what to do, or they aren't prepared for you to suddenly cut in field instead of go up the wall. So yeah. they're in their mind, okay, he's going, he got the ball, he's going up the wall, he's going to go for an air dribble, he's going to go for a ceiling shot, he's going to try to pass it. Nope, I got the ball, and now I'm doing a hard cut infield, and now I'm doing a flick towards the net. And the defender might save it, the defender might not, the defender might do a bad save. It could be a pass, but it was something that they didn't really expect. And there, those opportunities, the more, I saw, the more that they would work, the more I'd see those opportunities. On the side, other side of that, now I, like I said, I'm very grounded and I'm, I'm very scared to fly up in the air thanks to all that one's training. So I'm always thinking, oh, am I going to recover and hesitate too much in the air? <laughs> Which I'm, that's what I've been working on the last month is trying to get speed back in the air. I feel like control. I've seen you post some pretty decent ceiling shots, though. Yes, I've started getting those in game every once in a while, but still not. They're very opportunistic. I can't just like go in there and be like, oh, I'm going to hit a ceiling shot real quick. Yeah, you just can't willy-nilly set one up for yourself. Yeah, it's one of those, like I said, like uh, the opportunity arise and I had that skill so I could use it. Hmm, that's fair. I'm still, like right now I'm really grinding 
air dribbles. That's what they're called. Air dribbles, uh, specifically from the wall, just like slapping the ball onto the wall, like and letting it roll up in all kinds of crazy ways and doing whatever I can to control it if it's bouncing off or, you know, perfectly rolling up the wall, really getting more comfortable doing that at game speed, because I noticed that I would screw them up all the time at game speed, you know, hitting them with the wrong part of my car. So it ends up going behind me and then I can't do anything with it. So doing my best to like work on getting those at a game speed and then being able to follow it. Um, and that, I mean, just like anything, I think it just, it takes time and effort and understanding what you're doing or trying to better understand what you're doing, I think is a, is a good way to put that. Yeah. And originally back when I started doing all the training and going into all this coaching, um, back then the meta was the high flyers, flip resets and stuff like that. That was the threes and twos meta, but one V ones, it was all about that basic play. You didn't <clears> want to <throat> do anything crazy. And even now, even at this point in the game, the ones meta has become more high flying flip reset and stuff like that. Then you still have players like lion blaze or Khaled, and even Ranny, who's done more training into flip resets who can still dominate a one scene with bounce shots with power clears with wall shots with such basic mechanics that are just polished oh yeah and and that's the thing right all of these like i three or four months ago i started working on flip resets and ceiling shots and things of that nature and they certainly helped me get better or like understand different things about rocket league a little bit better but at the end of the day the person that has the best car control ball control and understanding of the field the best is is going to win like a ceiling shot and i'm not just saying this because i can't do them like having those things in your arsenal is good because it really throws people off i don't want to degrade like being able to do those things uh, and I would say that you can get very, very far in this game, Grand Champ and beyond, never executing a ceiling shot or a flip reset. Because oh, yeah. even even Grand Champs do not have all of the fundamentals to the highest capacity of what they're capable. Right. Going back to, like you mentioned, the previous guest, Sueze, uh, his his series, the infinite question, positioning or mechanics. I still think positioning is still one of the most important things you can have. Yeah, I th I think, uh, and me and Coltrane talked a little, well, he mentioned it in the last episode um, that his positioning is very good. Uh, and I think positioning to me is so funny because like you can be in quote unquote the right position, but if you can't do anything with that position, then oh, it's, course. it's, and I guess, and I'm, this isn't me making an argument for mechanics, but I guess like there are those people that get to like champ two purely based on mechanics. And then there are those people that get there purely because they make smarter decisions. And eventually 
the weakness in one catches up with the strength in the other. Right. And to move forward, you have to move one up and one back. I think, uh, so one thing that I've been thinking about in my own game recently and, and something that I've noticed in between, uh, so right now I'm in, uh, I think someday I'm going to go back and listen to all these episodes and just hear the roller coaster ride of ranks that I've been through. Because <laughs> I think just, I mean, if I was recording three weeks ago, I would have said that I was in Diamond Three, which I was. I went all I I went back down to Diamond Three. Right now I'm in Champ Two in Threes, and I have some friends that are all GCs, and so sometimes I get caught in GC games or when we're taking over a lobby, it's me and usually five other GCs or four GCs and a random who could be you know anywhere from mm-hmm. C two to GC, but uh. One thing that I've noticed in between the difference between my games and the games that I play with them is I hover way too close to the play. So even though I think like I'm putting myself in a good position to like follow up whatever is happening at the moment, like really I'm playing way too close to the ball and have realized after looking at many replays and looking over uh, statistics on ballchasing.com uh, that I play way too close to the ball. Um, so in terms of like positioning, uh, even like learning how to position correctly based on what's happening can be like my positioning in champ one has led me to be consistently successful over the past year. But if I want to get better, I actually have to play more off the ball which seems counterintuitive does that make sense it makes a lot of sense my uh when i grinded my way up to champ three and threes it was because i had more of a ones mentality which the game modes that that sense and uh changes so much depending on what game mode you're in because you're in not you in uh you're in (laughs) uh depending on if you're in ones, the spacing you need to give your opponent in ones is so much different than the spacing you can give your opponent in threes and in twos. Um, in threes, you don't you get a lot less space because if they have someone up front so they can just charge at you and or um, that means there's going to be a 50. That means the ball is going to shoot off to the side. So the yeah, teammates need to be farther away so they can react to it. In twos, you have to do the same thing, but you have one less person to rely on. So you have to then be your second and third man. And in ones, you're the only one. So you have to be able to both defend whatever they're doing and attack if they mess up. So you have to be a lot closer. And I find the struggle um, now is I put myself too far away because I'm thinking, okay, he's going to make a run for it. I'm trying to start shadowing. And it's a threes match. I'm the first one back. Why am I shadow? Our first one up. Why am I shadowing? I should be attacking. Mm. Whether I touch the ball or not, I'm going to make him react. That mentality is hard to break. But when I was going through solo queuing in threes, I would always take up that defensive role of, okay, I'm going to do a fake challenge. Okay, it made him drop the ball. The two ball chasers behind me start chasing the ball. I'm going back. I'm going to defend a little bit. I took a much more passive role and... I would never get MVP. I would always be second or third in our the points. But mm-hmm. I would I would be that constant third man or middle mid man and not go for the goals. I was all about setting it up for them. Okay, I can clear it downfield, you can shoot it in. 
and not trying to make it about me, trying to make it about, okay, can we win? And I'll be defensive. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting that you say that because I've, I've found, and of course this isn't, isn't like a do this and all of a sudden you'll just be better. Be good. Yeah. But (laughs) in, in some of my games where I do, and it's, I don't want it to be misconstrued as playing passive, but in watching a, a few replays, um, a buddy of mine who is like a 16 or 1700 uh, MMR player, like he will play pretty far off the ball, but then eventually, you know, there is a clear time in which he can either go up with his teammate for a pass or something like that, or there is a clear time where the other team hits the ball away and it it, it is it is his opportunity to challenge the ball. Uh, and I feel like as a player where I'm at right now, uh, the desire to hit ball or the mindset that you have to always be attacking or challenging or trying to take the ball away from the other team uh, creates or puts you in places where you um, or and I say you and I also mean I. Yeah you know, are not necessarily going at the situation in the most advantageous way that you could, where you could, you know, maybe rotate farther back, let your teammate go, and then get the ball out of a more threatening situation or after, like, the first person is challenged. Like, it's so much easier to take the ball away when you allow somebody with momentum to challenge and then you turn when the ball's just floating through the air as opposed to you half turning or half rotating just because nobody has gone for the ball after two or three seconds. It's just, it's a big mind shift, but not thinking that you're always under pressure really allows you to be a little bit more in the flow of the game. Yeah, definitely. And I, like you said, not really, it's not passive. It's picking your moment. It's, it's That's a really good way of putting coiling, it. Yes. Coiling, like a coiling snake, you're or a coiling viper, like Randy Orton. You're you're on the mat. You're ready to hit the RKO. <laughs> you're just waiting for your moment. Uh, there you go. But, Shout out to all the wrestling fans. <laughs> it's, and I think, uh, well, what's his name? Flakes talks about this a lot. Um, in between all his obscenities and insults. Like he, he says very often that there, there's no threat there. There's no reason that you have to throw yourself at the ball. There's no threat. So just take a second and let the play develop a little bit and then go after it when it is a little bit more appropriate. And you're not just giving possession back to the other team. Not panicking like that is one of the hardest things, especially in a threes match. <laughs> Um, just having that awareness of looking around and saying, okay, the ball is bouncing in front of my net, but there's nobody there for the pass. There's no reason I need to hit this really hard. Let me just catch it, collect it. That will slow the play down, give them time for boost. Instead of like, no, ball in my net, hit hard, go. Yeah. It And another thing that's hard to break out of, which is low ranks, this is uh, probably one of the things that could help them a lot is passing back it's such a hard thing to get in the mindset of doing 
is just, okay, let me hit the ball back to our corner. It's going back to my side, but my teammates in that corner, we're going to keep possession of the ball. It's not going towards our net. It's, and it's something that's so counterproductive, especially at a lower rank. You think you're, you think, oh, I have to hit it towards the enemy net. I have to hit it that way. No, you can hit it back towards your side, especially if you're up by a few goals. Hit it towards your side. Keep the possession. Make it harder for them. Make them have to come to you. Don't make the ball come to them. One of the biggest underdeveloped skills I feel in and what can be really useful is like if the other if the other team gets a big clear, being able to let the ball go over your head as you're facing towards your goal catch the ball so it just continues to roll in front of you into one of the corners and then be able to take the ball over the net and get it going back in the other direction. Yes. Like without without putting it in a threatening position for your net. That's obviously like a key part of it. But being able to control that process or take it up the back wall and then turn it around for an air dribble to get it back going the other direction. I think, I think what you said is a really excellent point that possession is more valuable than getting the perfect touch immediately or getting a shot on goal immediately. Like if you get one extra touch that could open up for a pass or a shot in two more touches that it's going to be a lot easier than you just blasting the ball back down the field into your opponent's lap. Definitely. And it's such a hard mindset because, like you say, Flakes is big on criticizing people and replays for it. Why are you banging the ball down there? There's nobody there. Or are you just hitting it straight to him? You're passing it to the enemy team. Oh, yeah. He uh, he does not mince his words about how he feels uh, the game should be played. And I certainly agree with him. I'm very intrigued to see what he comes up with uh, as the new RLCS season approaches, since he's wanting to uh, build his own team around his mindset. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with that. Um, but kind of around this conversation that we're talking about, uh, just back passes and getting the right touch. And like, I think the thing that is easy about Rocket League is that, I mean, C-ball get close to ball, hit ball. Like it's very straightforward. And really you can get pretty high in the ranks if you see ball hit ball reasonably well. Uh, But it's when you start to develop a little bit more intricate thoughts about how to play the game and take possession and things of that, that you have to think it becomes a little bit more complex. And I, I feel one of those skills or attributes that come along with that is, is field awareness. Um, so, you know, talking about some of the things that you've already shared, like taking possession, catching the ball, being able to flick, especially in a threes game, like how did, how would you say your skills are or your field awareness is and how did you develop that skill? How did you build on that to be able to, uh, you know, think about those ones concepts, but in a threes game? Um, so, of course, through 1v1, you have to pay attention to the car language of the enemy. You have to know, you have to pay attention. To, are they going to attack? Are they trying to set something up? Um, and you are you only have one person to watch for. My other side of it was I, at that time, only solo queued. Um, it was before um, 
I got more exposure through my channel. So I didn't, I wasn't friends with uh, Quadnik or Mr. Smile or any of them yet, mm-hmm. which now I have a lot of, a lot of different people I play Rocket League with. But back then I was more of a solo queuer. So whenever I was in a threes match, I had no communication. So all I could go off of was my ones, my ones training of, okay, he looks like he's going for the ball. He looks like he's going for the ball. The ball's going over me. I'm not going to have the best touch. I'm just going to go back. Not, I'm not worried about touching. I'm just going to start heading back. Hopefully, my teammate will identify that I'm moving forward. And in the most ideal sense, a lot of times they would identify the guy would be back as a third. He'd see me running back. He's probably like, why didn't this guy go for it? It's such an easy ball. Okay, I'm going for it. And then either we led to a goal or it led to something positive better than me just jumping up and touching the ball and potentially ruining it for another teammate and then something else that is working a lot on field awareness which is not been talked about a lot is demos (laughs) looking for the (laughs) demos and avoiding the demos has helped a lot with my field awareness on where players are i am starting to get much better at having mental tracks of where maybe one or two players are at a time where I can then put my path in their path to then remove them from the path so the ball can go to the goal in its own true path. That's my haiku. (laughs) (laughs) So, and as annoying as demos are, especially players that are demo hunters, I will say that like that, I mean, that isn't like your play style. You, I would say, are skilled at the game. Like you can do things other than that. Um, So I don't want it to seem like that is just how you play the game. But I feel like there is some definite skill involved in playing that style because you have to be able to uh, assume or make like conscious decisions on where a player is going to be. Like I, I feel like people that can rack up demo after demo after demo, either, like you said, have figured out like certain paths that they can take that are just very consistent that other players just kind of fall in line or you're good at reading the movement of players so that you can just demo people more. So go go into that a little bit more um so the the biggest my biggest goal a lot of times with a demo thing is i'm trying to weave them in when you're paying attention to the ball so i'd make a pass i make a high pass on the ball it's going above the net the goalie he probably has ball cam on he can only see straight up i can easily delete him and now that's a potential easily fit. delete him <laughs> i can easily delete him after that pass just by driving across the net going towards the enemy other corner snagging their boost which also takes away their boost control mm-hmm. and then start heading back i will say going for demos or trying to weave in demos can put you a little bit farther out of rotation it's a risk high risk high reward as uh i think woody and a few other people have said it you put yourself out there so if you miss your demo a lot of times you're having a slower recovery you're out of position and that person's still going to make the play that you were trying to make them not make anymore right so it's just like a flip reset just like an air dribble you mess it up it could go completely wrong Mm -hmm. but a lot of times players can't 
it's hard to pay attention to both the ball and your own surroundings, especially when it's right above you. And if you don't have that game sense, you're not listening for engine sounds. You're not thinking, okay, so I when before the ball went above me, when I glanced, I saw two blue people in front of me, but I didn't see the third blue guy. Where's the third blue guy? Is he beside me? Is he behind me? That's those type of thoughts you start racking up, the more you start getting into avoiding and giving more demos. Because the more demos you give, the more you have to avoid. Because after you give hit somebody a few times in a row, they either start cursing at you in chat or they start trying to chase you in return. And a lot of times it goes worse for them trying to chase you. Right. I mean, it doesn't usually work out because you spend every... I mean, it's not like you spend every game trying to get demos, but... Like you have done this in hundreds of games. You've racked up thousands of demos. You know you know the ins and outs of it a lot better than just some somebody that's triggered and trying to, you know, get revenge. Right. And a lot of it is um it also teaches a lot of momentum keeping. Cause mm. uh through just plain pathing, you wanna go along the boost paths. Um a lot of times there's boost pills, which give you a hundred is little, the little thing, the little guys all over the field, they can keep you close to a hundred as long as you need to, as long as you path it right. And knowing those paths, knowing that I'm taking those, those boosts to get the momentum, leaving the back corner boost for my teammate, which I just went right past to go uh, past him and the ball to go kill somebody or, um, somebody tries to take they take boost control and I need to keep my momentum I can keep momentum so much easier if I just go along that path and most of them lead to the goal or lead to our goal or lead to um some important part of the field for a player and a lot of times they think oh I took the big pill he's gonna go away nope I can uh, keep my momentum and take you out or (laughs) oh I took all the boost pills what are you gonna do I can front flip into you and now you're bumped and now you're out of the game even longer than three seconds because now you got every cover. Right. I think that I think that almost throws people off even more when you get a demo from a front flip. They're like, you aren't like, especially at the last second, they feel like they're safe and then you front flip into them and then they still explode. Uh, yes. I feel like that sets people off even more. They forget that you get a big boost of... Uh speed and just like if you're power shotting a ball if you power shot a car and you go supersonic while you're doing it you can demo (laughs) so what was it about demos that attracted you like what what pulled you into demos slight mischievous nature um it's just kind of funny like um seeing that i got a goal because that guy's gone um it was one of those things where kind of like with the dribbling, it was something that was, I enjoyed doing. It was something that like, it was kind of like a fun, it's kind of hard to say this without sounding like a complete uh, negative uh, person in family. A poo head. (laughs) A poo head. (laughs) But it was just like, uh, like dribbling and cutting and flicking. It was one of those skills where I saw myself getting better at it. I saw videos, of course, of, I knew of Sledge, but then I started seeing like Woody and I saw Woody like kill, kill five different cars and then get a goal or get a chain, like a spawn chain. And then I started seeing, uh, I, I reached out for them to get some demos for a uh, video, a mm. music video I did a long time ago. And they were like, oh, if only there was a Discord just for demos. 
and I was like, is there? And they showed me the Boom Squad Discord, and I saw all the different demo plays, and it, it just was like, it's a different type of satisfying. Like, some people look at a clip and they see a flip reset or a double flip reset, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's really cool. I wish I could do that one day. I saw Woody take out three people and then air dribble the ball into a net, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. I want to do that one day. It, it just was one of those things that just was satisfying. So the Boom Squad is a Discord that actually exists. It's not just a group of uh, Rocket League trolls that yes. <laughs> run run havoc through our servers. Uh, the Boom Squad exists. They have a lot of people on their channel. Um, they have an unofficial demo leaderboard that runs off of like a Google document. Um, and then you can update your scores. I'm ranked, like, last time I checked, I think I was around 68, 70, 69 around then. And I have 10,200 demos on, on the leaderboard now. Um, Jeez Louise. Now, where do you get that number from? And I just want to clarify out there to anybody that might be listening, I do not actually look at people that are demo hungry as trolls. Yes, it can be annoying, and it's just part of the game. <laughs> So I just, I don't want anybody to be offended or bothered. Uh, yeah, it can be annoying and uh, they put it into the game for a reason. Deal with it. So anyways, <laughs> you were saying about about your demo counts. Uh, it's just a stat on my main, on if you go into your career. Okay. Uh, that's, there's a demo counter in there. And it so still you're not counts pulling in from any too. websites or anything. Yeah. Um, some players like Woody and Catman, if they had a main account on a different console, so like Woody came over from Xbox, they can still count their demos they had on their Xbox along with their PC. But we don't like I won't count my alt accounts demos or anything like that into my total. Mm. Um, but there are hundreds of people. The I think the leaderboard's like seven pages long right now. And there's the a lot of people then, huh? Yeah, and the top the top ten is just such a ridiculous amount of demos. Toothbado is up there; he's been number one forever, and he's got like eighty seven thousand demos. What um, region is he in? NA. <laughs> okay, because I had never heard that name. What rank is he? Um, he's a champ. Okay, like champ one, champ two, I, somewhere around there. Yeah, somewhere around, and I don't know how much he does casual. I played with him once before with um, Woody and Catman, and we went to Chaos, which four demo people going into Chaos is. Oh gosh, you guys are just <laughs> that's just that is trolling. <laughs> it, it was well, I couldn't demo because they kept getting everyone. So I, it's limit one per family. Yeah, you're at a disadvantage almost, <laughs> wasting your time. I think uh, the thing that gets me about like the only games that I've played with demo chasers, what, what always seems to happen is like they will demo, you know, people five or six times, but when it comes to actually hitting the ball, they're awful. <laughs> like they're so good at hitting a moving car, which I feel is even harder than hitting a ball. But when it comes to hitting the ball, it's just abysmal. They can't do it. And that that's the thing that frustrates me. Like if you're, if you're going to do this great, like delete us as you say, but then <laughs> like actually be able to hit the ball, like put the ball on target or, you know, pass your teammate or something. But, and it's not that they just were outright 
not paying attention to the ball. Like they would see it coming and then just whiff or like get a horrible touch on it. That's the thing that bothers me. Like be able to play the game and demo. Don't oh, just yeah. demo people. It's yeah. Um, it's very satisfying, especially if people, um, in my experience, people make that assumption of me when I'm like, I'll go into casual sometimes and I'll demo chase. I'll like, I'll, we'll be up by one or two and then I'll demo chase after that. And they'll assume that I'm not going to be able to touch the ball. Right. And going back to the beginning of the co- podcast, that's when I grab the ball, flick it. And suddenly, Oh wait, y- you can flick the ball. Uh, I thought you weren't going to touch it. I thought you were going to go past it and try to kill us. Nope. This time I'm right. flicking the ball. <laughs> But See, I've seen that. That's too, a beautiful where, thing where demo people have not been able to touch the ball. And sometimes I've seen where some demo people are just they're lower ranks and they just that's how they have fun. It's a team deathmatch to them, which I'm surprised <laughs> there hasn't been a team deathmatch like Mario. there should there should be that, <laughs> though. If you if, did something like that with um, some type of shooting, but I don't remember like, not a demo based team deathmatch. I feel like if you took the ball out though it would be really hard to get demos if everybody else is just chasing each other it would have to have some type of motivation kind of like uh sledges um that infection game mode he made him and cinderblock it would have to be some they'd have to have some type of extra thing of why you have to go find the other players what was that? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, Sledge did a video a couple months ago um, where whenever you got the infection, you lost boost. And if your boost went down to zero, your car exploded. And if you were around other players, you could spread it to those other players. And I forgot mm. how you cured it. I think you cured it either by saving the ball or by getting a full boost note. I think getting a full boost pill saved you, but you had to have boost to get to that boost pill. And if you were on kickoff... You would have to do the kickoff, and then you would have to make sure you don't use all your boosts on kickoff, so you don't die in the middle of going for the kickoff. <laughs> it was oh. an interesting video for yeah for another channel. <laughs> and Cinderblock helped him with that. I believe it was Cinderblock helped him with the mod, because I think I that's where I followed him from after um, mm. uh, Sledge shouted him out. That dude is crazy. Oh, he I saw I knew of him. And I knew of his mods. I just uh, that was I. It was really cool. Yeah. So I want to I wanna go way back uh, kind of before we got on the whole demo thing. Well, before we get off of that, um, <laughs> even though I, I don't want to create more demo chasers out there in the world of Rocket League, um, I, I want to give credit where credit is due. So if somebody wants to up their demo game, if somebody wants to be able to... Uh, you know, maybe not uh, start getting on the leaderboard, but at least be able to be more effective with their demos. Uh, how would you suggest people go about practicing or working on those to improve their skills? The most practical and least put you out of put you out of the gameplay type of demos to do are um, as you're rotating out demos as you rotate out of passing it out of an attack. Just as you're going back, if you can take out somebody with a bump, whether it's a goalie, whether it's a midfielder, sometimes the fact that you took out the midfielder, the 50-50 sends the ball that direction. And instead of that midfielder hitting it, 
now it's open space and your third man can now come up and collect the ball. It might not lead to a goal, but back to like we were talking about, it kept your it kept possession of the ball on your team. Um, and then similar to if you're rotating back in net and your third man's being attacked, if you demo the guy that's attack, uh, going to do the offensive um, play, whether it's the guy waiting in the middle of the field waiting for that pass, or if you're in the vicinity of it, um, the guy actually with the ball, if you can take them out and then just leave the ball, don't be greedy, don't take the ball with you, just take them out and leave, you just got rid of all the threat that your teammate, hopefully you have, the third man has um, all the threat they had on them, and now they can take possession and do whatever play they wish to go for. So definitely rotating out and rotating back are the safest demos in my opinion. I don't, and I don't know if you have anything that you can add to this or if it's just like a lot of things in rocket league, you know, do it and get good (laughs) already. But like, are there, are there any tips that you would have for somebody that, uh, can never seem to like land a demo or actually, you know, make connection. Uh, what have you found that has led to you being so successful beyond just like looking, uh, for demos at the right time? Just trying to predict the path the player is going on, um, which double-edged sword. Cause sometimes that's the player doesn't do the, what you're trying to predict. You'll put yourself out of the play or put yourself out of position but just uh trying to predict predict and sometimes it's just about putting yourself in their shoes um if you're playing ranked according to psionics and depending no matter what anyone else says you're ranked for a reason in the rank you're at and you're and the people in that rank should be somewhat in your vicinity unless they're smirching um so going into it with your mentality of okay i see the ball coming if I'm this third man and I don't know anyone's coming, I'm going to be going for that. I'm going to go this way towards the ball, or I'm going to be waiting for it over here. Or if I am the second guy, the first guy is on the wall about to pass it. I'm going to be midfield. And just having the that thought of, okay, that guy's going to be midfield. I'm going to be passing through the midfield, turn off my ball cam. Oh, there's a guy in my path. Let me hold boost. And now he's gone. <laughs> Just that that is the only thing I could think of to really say to help um, help with the effectiveness of the demo. Um, and just like everything else, air dribbles, flip resets, the more you put into it, the more risky, the more high risk to reward it is. So if you jump in your attack or you dodge in your attack, you're adding more time into your recovery. But you could also be putting more power or direction into it. Um, I just... I did a lot of casual, casual matches um, chasing once we got up, and that's when I got really used to timing it. When I realized this person, I've got him a few times. He's probably going to jump when I'm charging at him, so I'm going to jump and get him. And a lot of times, that's the time they jump, and it's just from experience, I guess. Long over exaggerated answer. No, I think that was a perfectly fine answer. I mean, uh, you know this is a podcast we're here to talk. So you never have to apologize for talking. So don't feel bad about that at all. <laughs> um, okay. So you talked about being more efficient at demos. 
that's always cool. I'm curious because I want to go way, way back to the very beginning of the podcast talking about field awareness and like taking that one's mentality does make you play a little bit more conservative. And I think that the sweet spot in Rocket League is picking your spots wisely in terms of when you're going to attack the other team. Um, so obviously like rotation and then moving forward when it is, when you feel it is your opportunity, but of course, in pretty much all ranks, you know, I had a guy quit on me after going down one goal because he said, I quote unquote, cut rotation. And he was just like sitting still at midfield and a guy was dribbling up along the wall and I just zoomed right past him to challenge. And then after I did that, he literally just stopped playing and then talked some trash in chat and didn't play the rest of the game. Uh, and my teammate quit. So I was basically playing half the game one on three. It was very frustrating. So my question to you is how do you go through the game trying to play the best game that you can and having random teammates that may not necessarily understand how you want to play the game or might cut you off or do things of that nature on a consistent basis. How do you stay calm and patient and continue to do the best that you can through all of that? Um, part of it is a lot of um, an old once again, falling off of referencing other people, but uh, old Squishy saying um, a long time ago before he even got coached, uh, he had a video and he was talking about his mentality of getting better. And he talked about, it's not about what the end, what uh, your teammate could have done. What could have you done differently to avoid that goal? Because you can only affect yourself, which that when he says something like that, it clicked with me because in my current career, a lot of that is you can only control what you can control and you can't bring your, especially nowadays with what's going on, you can only control what you can control. And there's no point in stressing about something that you obviously honestly can't control. So if there's a hurricane coming, I'm going to prepare for it, but there's nothing I can do physically to stop that <laughs> hurricane from coming in rocket league. There is something I can do and there's something I can control. And that's what I do as a player. Um, so if I know that the ball is coming towards me and I'm in midfield and I have a bad 50, 50, that leads to the enemy team scoring, even if my teammate was in net, even if my teammate was facing the ball, even if my teammate was chasing for boost, that bad 50, 50 is what led to the goal. So no matter how, how else you look at it, yes, it could have been the fault of him for not hitting the ball. It could be the fault of, um, another teammate but end of the day that that 50 50 if i took it differently could have could have neglected or negated that goal so i try to go into it with that mindset and a lot of times people get mad because they think i'm not going for the ball enough because i will let them go for it first i do tend to get close um i'll get really close to the ball or really close to the play because i'm thinking okay can i squeeze in a demo can i do a quick dribble and I'll, or can I do a fake challenge and then I'll go away. But a lot of times I'll be the one to fade away and let the teammate go. Um, and 
that's one that it's one of those things that kind of helped me going through the game to try to keep me from not being tilted. I'm one of those players. I don't get tilted a lot from my the enemy team. I get tilted a lot from myself. If I think I should have touched that differently or if I knew I should have made that save or I knew I should have made that flick differently or that one touch wasn't what I wanted, I'll get more tilted at myself before I start lashing out and saying, oh, it the problem is because this orange guy is ball chasing or it's because the blue guy on my team is doing this or doing that. If the blue the the guy on my team wants to ball chase, I'll let him ball chase because that's the play style he's most comfortable in. And I'll play more, uh, not passively, but more of that coiling viper, waiting for when he gets that 50-50 towards the middle and can actually make a shot. If my teammate's more passive or not going for the ball a lot, then I can make, I know I'm if I'm the front man, I'm the one going for it. I can turn on a challenge because I know that he's going to be all the way back in net. So I can turn and cut into rotation faster or ahead of time because that's the correct move in that play. And sometimes the first man, it's it's okay to cut in rotation. And a lot of times in like GC level gameplay, you'll see where GCs will almost look like they're double committing all the time. But it's because they, those were, that might've been the most effective play and their positioning a lot of times might look off, but for the level they play, they can cover what they need from those positions. Yeah. I think I, I ran off. No, it was, it was fine. Yeah. And I think, I think something that you can even see uh, and something squishy said in one of his recent videos was when he plays twos, especially with like torment or that other guy that he plays with. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. That just disappeared <laughs> from my brain. Like he will play a very uh, forward aggressive style uh, where he's trying to make the other team give up possession. And like he might leave his teammate in the defensive side of the field a lot, but he's also creating opportunities for them at the same time. So he knows that him being a little bit more aggressive might take him a little bit more to rotate back in the long run. But at the same time, uh, creating those challenges and making the opponents give up possession or, you know, put the ball into the corner instead of maybe like right at the goal or against the wall instead of towards their goal gives him that extra time to rotate back. So like, I, I think the more that I think about it and kind of how I have been playing in the past and how I'm playing now, there there's a lot more time there to rotate and uh, inject yourself into the play than I think a lot of people uh, give credit for or think that there might be. So like you do not have to go after at the ball as frantically as you feel like you might. Right. And I can't remember if that had anything to do with what you were saying or not, but I feel like it's a, I, f- I think it's a mentality that he has that he's always had. That's why I think he's always been successful. And no matter how much his, he's become like a poster child for Rocket League, I think he's Squishy's always been like a really down to earth type yes. of person. And 
that mentality. That's, I think, why C9, even through the struggles and successes, um, C9 has stayed the same team mm-hmm. for the most part. And I, I think just getting to higher ranks in general, taking on that kind of mentality really helps. Um, and I think that in terms of just ranking up in general, one thing that helps people ranking rank up is changing the way that they think about the game, changing the way that they look at the game. Like when you became more of a ones player and understood what it took to be successful in ones and then brought that over to threes, all of a sudden you were playing much better and getting to higher ranks in threes. So just as much as it is a mechanical game, Rocket League is very much how you think about it. So having the same kind of mentality and understanding of like the decision-making that high-level players do will help you just as much as the mechanical things that higher players do. Just like there are gold players and platinum players that can hit flip resets and ceiling shots, but they're still platinum players. There's there's still right. definitely something in between them and a grand champ or even a champ one or champ two that are hitting those shots. Well, I think it's kind of funny. You um, In all the ranks, you see those players where you can tell that this guy is a mechanic grinder, where this person, all they do is free play. They, they do flip resets, ceiling shots, and only when the ball is in their control do they know what's going on. They know they don't know what's going on with the ball if it goes above them or if someone else has it. They don't they don't know how to react when someone else affects the ball. And I I think it's interesting that you mentioned like it's in plat and gold, but you see those type of players all through the ranks, and usually you can see them in that typical sweaty octane with Cristiano's. But <laughs> you you see that player and you're thinking it's amazing what they do, but. It's so amazing how somebody can hit such an intricate skill that requires so much coordination and so much uh, thought beforehand and then not be able to understand that, oh, this guy's going to probably hit the ball into the net. I should probably not be here. Well, all they're concerned about is hitting hitting their flip resets and their ceiling shots. doesn't actually matter if you win the game or not. I mean, <laughs> the one with the best clip wins. It's a freestyle one exactly. every time. One hundred percent. I mean, at the end of the day, what does it matter? Like, they want to. Somebody like that wants to be able to comfortably hit their shots, you know. So if they're in a lower rank, it's going to be a lot easier than if you're trying to do that against a bunch of GCs. Oh yeah, like one hundred percent. Play the game your way. If that's how you have fun, have fun. Like I have fun chasing people down and making yeah. them go boom. You have fun hitting clips. It's however you have fun with the game. You bought it. You bought this game. You you do what you want. And I respect them because they they have higher mechanics than me. But it's interesting sometimes to see where some where you can see where players spend their time oh, yeah. in this game. Yeah. Well, if you ever queue with me, don't do that, or I'm gonna get really crabby. I'm here to win, man. That's it. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm all about the winning. I and honestly, like lately, I obviously I want to win, but I've I've taken on this mindset of like I I do want to hit Grant. I mean, I want to hit Grand Champ. I want to hit you know 
18, 1900. Like I want to keep going after grand champ. There's just so much more beyond that point that each game that I play, I want to win. But at the end of the day, I'm watching that replay, looking at the mistakes that I made or like the little things that I could have done better that I can take Mm -hmm. to the next game. Like I don't, like I'm excited to be in champ two. And the reason that I'm in champ two is because I'm so focused on fixing my mistakes. So it's like this, it's this very backwards thing of like, stop caring about winning and stop thinking of, excuse me, stop thinking about winning, start thinking about improving and you will start winning more. Yeah. It's all about kind of like made um, my head go going boom. back again. <laughs> Setting a goal. Yeah. <laughs> You're setting not your goal isn't so much to win, it's to get better. It it's about winning the long the long game, not the short Are game. Are you a sports fan at all? I am oh. not. <laughs> well, uh even so, um do you watch T V at all? Uh here off and on. So I would recommend that you check out uh The Last Dance. It's a documentary about the Bulls in the 90s when they were so dominant with like Michael Jordan uh, and Scottie Pippen mm-hmm. and, and all those guys. It's so inspirational just from like a competitive standpoint. It just like it makes you want to be better, uh, especially from like a somebody that's not interested in sports. I would I would be intrigued to see like if it like resonates with you at all because it's it's really good storytelling i mean michael jordan is just such a focused competitive dude um in the way that he like talks about different people that he played and and working on getting better and getting to the place that he was like it 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 made me like want to pause the show at the end of every episode i just looked at my wife and was like i need to go play rocket league like I need to go <laughs> practice something right now. I'm so pumped up. Uh, so I would, I uh, link on discord or the name of it on Discord. Yeah, and I'll for sure. Um, if you download the ESPN app on your phone, or I don't know if you can watch it on their website, uh, but it's just, it's the last dance. I'll certainly send you a link to it. Um, so anybody out there that is, or is not a sports fan, uh, or you may have already watched it. Hit me up and let me know what you thought of that because uh, I I grew up watching those Bulls. I live in Illinois, uh, so that was a very special time for me as as a basketball fan as well. So, it, I mean, there was just it was a lot of fun to go through all that nostalgia, and then also um, it just got me so fired up about playing the game and and wanting to improve because uh, Michael Jordan, whenever. Whenever, you know, a challenge was put in front of him, he was just like, all right, I'm just going to show you that I'm the best. And then he would. And, uh, you know, that's very inspirational. Um, Anyways, we have been going for a good amount of time. um, And it is it is time to make this episode go boom. So in classic uh, infinite boost or what what did you say? Infinite boom? infinite yeah. boom yeah infinite <laughs> boom tradition we're gonna we're gonna end it with the three parts the first one uh is any final thoughts that you might have 
for the audience? Um, like the the question, or just thoughts on general the pod, or in just general? anything, life, Rocket League, um, diet. <laughs> uh, see, I didn't, I didn't, I, I thought I only had one thing ready. I had the question see, ready. I didn't have this this life part ready. Um, I don't know. Go out, go out there, out there, and find something. Whether it's Rocket League or whatever your hobby is, just find. Go out there and try something different with it. Um, I, I guess that's the best thing to think about. Like if you're, if no matter what it is, is you're playing Rocket League, try a new game mode. Try something, even if it's not fun, just try it. Just to try something new. I'll, don't get into a rut. And that's me trying something new was me trying coaching and then trying to get into demos. And I'm having so much fun with the game, or even with YouTube. I tried something new with editing and trying to do this whole YouTube thing. And I have, I've met a lot more people. I'm on this podcast talking to this wonderful Tom I've met out of all the Toms I've met. This one's one of the best ones. Uh, (laughs) It's a lot of things that just sometimes just taking a quick chance and trying something, you learn a lot. Don't know if that's what you wanted. No, that was, that was excellent. Okay. So then if people wanted to find you out on the internet, uh, where, whereabouts can they find you? Um, thank you. Mainly I chose this name because it, uh, doesn't require any numbers. Most places don't have it. Um, usually I'm Rhett Selim. Um, usually my most active places are YouTube and, tw- uh, Twitter. So Twitter slash Rhett Selim, R-E-T-S-E-L-O-M and YouTube slash, uh, dot com slash Rhett Selim. Um, most of my content's Rocket League based, uh, but I do ch- branch off into other games. It's just, um, depends on what what's entertaining to me at the occasional uh, virtual reality you need to post some uh oh what's that game that virtual reality game hot hot Uh, super uh, hot hot. do you have that i do have it um i got it on the on the vibe store i I played a bunch of it i i I would watch that video in a heartbeat i love that game so much that is such a cool game, man. That that alone is worth the price of an Oculus, if you ask me. <laughs> that that game to me was a uh, Beat Saber. I love Beat I love Saber. Beat Saber is fun, too, but, but there is something about being able to pick up a bottle and throw at it like an imaginary red thing, <laughs> and then catch the gun and just like, I mean, when I play yes, that game, I'm like down on my knees trying to avoid stuff and then getting back up. It's so much fun. Yeah, that's the beauty of VR is just how much more interaction. Just throw the bottle at somebody or using the bottle to deflect one bullet to then dodge behind another one. Wait, you can deflect bullets uh, with bottles? You can, the bottle will break once, but you can use the bottle to deflect it. But if you have a knife, you can deflect infinite bullets with a knife, but you have to path it so you don't miss any of them. And it's it's really cool. I freaking love that game, Uh, dude. That game was so much fun. Um, I can't. I'm not sure if I told this story on this podcast already because I feel like I've talked about Super Hot once before. But there's I've only played the infinite levels, and there's one where you're in like a art gallery or like a vault or something, and there are a bunch of guns just on a table out in front of you. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
Um, I probably I don't know specifically, but I've been through them all. Yeah. I can imagine one of the ones that has a sure. bunch of the guns in front of you. I think I know. Which so one there's, I mean, there's a level with a table in front of you, right? So uh, I was mm-hmm. getting shot at, and I was leaning over to try and avoid something, and to try and catch my balance and stand back up, I tried to put my hand onto the table that was in front of me. Uh, and so I, I leaned in to try and put my hand there. And of course it didn't work. And I almost lost my balance even more, but it's just like, Oh, it was, it was, it was really impressive. And I usually I've gotten motions. Like I, I have like minor issues with motion sickness when it's come to that stuff in the past, but like that, that game, uh, you know, no issues at all, considering how much you're like actually moving around and turning and stuff. That oof, that game was a lot of fun. I think it's it doesn't have you traveling; it just has kind you in one spot. moving as much as you move. True. Yeah, true, true, true. I think a lot of people get motion sickness from the separation of the character moving, but them. Standing yeah, that's still. true. That's a good point. Uh. I freaking love that game, but this is not a super hot podcast as much as I wish it was. Uh, I think that if there was one thing I would quit Rocket League for, it would be that game. That game, oh man, it was so much fun. Anyways, yeah, go follow this guy. Uh, very nice, easy to talk to. Uh, all kinds of conversations on on Twitter. I see uh, interacting with people all the time. So if you're looking for people to talk Rocket League with. Uh, he is, he is there ready and waiting. And of course he is also in a a discord that I may or may not own and have connected to this podcast as well that you could consider joining, but this isn't about me. It's about, it's about (laughs) Rhett's. So last but not least, uh, a question for the audience. All right. Yeah. This is the part I actually studied for. (laughs) Uh, hopefully it's not a repeat question that somebody else has asked. Um, I kind of molded it since from this whole conversation. Uh, my question is, hopefully, yeah, I hope it's not the same of someone. What is the, um, in Rocket League, what is the most fun, um, what is the most fun time you've had in Rocket League? What was it doing? Whether it's playing competitive with friends, drinking and playing casual If you're friends, of legal age to do so. To rank grind, to, if you're of legal age. Um, if you're, um, doing demo grind, if you're freestyling, what was it in rocket league? That was the most fun for you. Um, for myself, I think I had honestly had more fun when I used to just play this game without a care in the world, but I am definitely more satisfied now at the spot I'm in, in this game where I feel a lot more satisfaction playing this game. And it's, it's not like a, it's more like a when you have a long-term hobby and not like you're just playing, um, sitting down to play a video game. You're sitting down to play a video game that has a slight emotional investment. Yeah, you're not just playing a video game. You're making an investment in something. <laughs> We're building houses here. <laughs> well, well, some people yeah. are. <laughs> I'm pretty sure John Sandman. Well, yeah, <laughs> and you're just trying to tear them all down. Trying, um, yeah, the boom, boom squad. Uh, wait, no. Uh, don't take that out of context. No, uh, no teams need to be watching me right now. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining me on the show. It's been enjoyable. 
Um, please, please do not me. demo me ever again. Uh, or this episode <laughs> will go boom and we'll just have a missing episode in Infinite Boost. And I mean, that's just the way it'll be. Just have to make sure I'm on your team when you have those I know, Discord right? games. Uh, I, I do the best that I can. Um, but just kidding. I mean, it it's it's enjoyable to try and avoid you. I will say that. So it, it adds some extra spice to the game because I know it's coming. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. It was enjoyable. <laughs> Uh, conversation a nice change of pace to talk about uh, the thing that makes everybody grumpy about the game uh, so thank you for sharing <laughs> your expertise and your knowledge uh, and uh, as always rats thanks for the boost no problem have a good one